Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at his hard line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He is in charge. He is in the captain's chair. He's at the helm and behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. Today is Sunday, December 10th, 2023, and you are listening to episode 648. We'll be doing a reading out of Matthew chapter 6, and today's topic of the show is the missing original 13th Amendment. Daily disclaimer, please be advised that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer, and I don't possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice. And while I am a member of the Michigan General General Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the National, State, or County Assembly. And keep in mind, I do not endorse or advocate for violence. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes, unless otherwise referenced. So there y'all go. I want to thank you for joining us today on the broadcast. And if you find extreme value in what we offer and take away solid information, as well as the positive messages... From this platform, hit that subscribe button and share the show with your friends, family, and colleagues. And don't forget to check out our social media and like and subscribe our social media platforms. You can find all those resources at hishardline.com. Hope everybody's having a good day so far today. Hope your weekend's going well. So there was a video of uh candace owens out there um i saw this on tiktok and she was discussing about what would happen uh with the internet and power grids going down and she's talking about how we should all prepare and so i'm going to start off with cut number one is again candace owens let's uh see what she has to say on this topic here would you do if they brought the power grid down 
And by they, I mean if the government purposefully brought the power grid down. And I'm not asking that question for fun. I'm asking that question because the World Economic Forum um, is predicting that a cyber pandemic, you can look this up, they've been running exercises about it this year, um, is inevitable. You're probably saying, what is a cyber pandemic? It doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, what are, what are we even talking about? Well, first of all, the reason I'm even paying attention to the World Economic Forum and their exercises is because they notoriously, in 2019, ran an exercise for a coronavirus pandemic that oddly all became true. I mean, without one slight difference, they said that uh, the coronavirus was going to escape from a wet market in South America. Of course, when the coronavirus uh, swept the nation, uh, swept the world in 2020, they said that it escaped from a wet market in China. You can still look that up, by the way. That's not a conspiracy theory. Um, that uh, they simulated that coronavirus pandemic. It was the World Economic Forum in collaboration with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in collaboration with John Hopkins University. And um, the website is still up and they say, you know, a, a coronavirus pandemic is inevitable. And then boom, it happened the very next year. So uh, people say it's a conspiracy theory to believe that they knew that the coronavirus pandemic was going to happen. You don't have to believe it was a conspiracy theory or you can believe it wasn't a conspiracy theory. It's up to you. I don't really care. The point is, is that they made the prediction, they called it inevitable, and then it happened immediately. So for me personally, that signals to me that I should probably pay attention the next time the World Economic Forum makes a prediction and calls it inevitable. And lo and behold, they are predicting that a coronavirus pandemic, uh, a cyber pandemic, pardon, is going to happen and that it is once again inevitable. So if you look into the exercise that they have run this year, I believe they run it in July. Um, they've been meeting and talking about the cyber pandemic, what it would look like. Essentially, uh, their idea is that they're going to have to sanitize the internet uh, because a bug, think of this as like a coronavirus for your computer, um, is going to sweep globally. And the only way they're gonna be able to stop this bug from infecting everything is to effectively shut down the internet, right? And they were talking about bringing down the power grid in an effort to do this. So imagine the government bringing down the power grid and you would not have access to anything um, that required an electrical charge. Yeah. So and I'm wondering if she's talking about and referring to event polygon, because that was a exercise that was also conducted just like uh, event 201, which, again, was kind of like a simulation of what would happen to the world and what would all the corporations and companies and and governments of all these different countries would do in the event of a, you know, a um, a coronavirus outbreak slash pandemic. Well, they also had another training exercise simulation of sorts it was called event polygon i can't remember what year they did that now i wonder if this is another you know another uh another exercise that she's talking about because she was talking about the wef i want to say event polygon i think that was something that was done again um at the johns hopkins university i'm not sure don't quote me on that but i know that was an event or that was an exercise again a simulation on what would happen with the, you know, in the event of an internet and power grid outage. And here, like I said, I see this video circulating of her on uh, TikTok discussing this. So it's very, very interesting, um, you know, and they put this stuff right out in plain view. So you gotta just, you know, eyes wide open, pay attention, use discernment, always be prepared, not just for a power grid outage, but, you know, or internet outage, but always, always pay attention. Because 
if you live in a state like Florida where you're prone and susceptible to hurricanes and power outages there or somewhere, you know, where there's tornadoes, I mean, I think, what was it, Clarksville or somewhere in Tennessee just, uh, what, yesterday got hit by a devastating tornado. And we're going to send up our prayers for the people in that region. But that right there is a case in point. What is your preparation um, protocols for your household, for your family? You know, where are your evacuation routes going to be? And if you are not evacuating and you happen to take shelter in your basement, do you have the proper uh, food, you know, down below in the event that the house collapses down and you are stuck in your basement until rescue comes? Do you have at least enough food and water down there for three, four, five, even, you know, a week, you know, three, four, five days to a week or even longer? You know, provided that all the debris doesn't come all the way down crashing into the basement. These are the types of things you have to think about. Do you have a basic prepared, you know, preparedness type of, you know, uh, plan just even on a minor level in your car? So, you know, this has nothing to do just, you know, you should never just be prepared for these, you know, big events. You should always be prepared, be prepared in general. For whatever state you live in and whatever the higher likelihood of a certain event occurring, whether it be a a snowstorm, a blizzard, a hurricane, tornadoes, earthquakes, uh, you know, illegal immigrant invasion, if you happen to live down there by the southern Texas border. I mean, you have to prepare for the region you live in. Zombie apocalypse if you're in New York or L.A. I'm just kidding, but you know what I'm saying. Prepare for the region that you are in. Now here's another audio I want to play. Cut number two. This is a, a this is this is a comedian by the name of Sebastian Maniscalco. This guy, I, this guy is like one of my favorite comedians. Uh, the way this guy delivers a message and the way he's animated on the stage as he delivers his messages are just kind of so unique that you just can't help but like the guy. He's a bit of a you know a nut, but man, is he funny? He tells a skit. The skit I'm going to play has to do with, again, people who are really hands-on and are really skilled when it comes to construction work. I have quite a few friends. I have a handful of friends, three or four, that I know personally that have built their own houses, pole sheds, their own decks over a weekend or two. Like These people are like jacks of all traits and know how to do things. And what Sebastian discusses in this this, um, clip I'm going to play, I resonate deeply because I'm thinking to myself, How the heck do you know how to do all this? And I'm talking about men who don't even build houses for a living or aren't in construction or in the trades for a living. I'm talking about people who are in other professions, but somehow they had a previous life and they just know how to do these things. It's just amazing. Let's, let's listen to, let's listen to this. This is just (laughs) simply amazing. I wish I knew how to do it. There's guys in here that know how to build. I got buddies like this. They build like a deck on the weekend. You go over to their house and they're always like, you want to see the deck I built? You built the deck? When? Today. Today? I took a nap. You built the whole deck? <laughs> you know guys like this? Flatbed F-150. Sawdust. Got a shed in the back. A lot of wood. I don't, I don't do any of this. I got to hire. I got to hire a contractor. And this guy could tell me anything. I believe him. Every morning he comes down, it's a different thing. He's like, Sebastian, can I talk to you for a second? My 38 years of contract, I've never seen anything like this. The wall, it's a wall, the wall. There's a bend in the wall. Come on, feel it, feel the bend. 
like an idiot. I'm like, okay, I feel the best. Yep. I don't really feel it. Well, it's there. We could leave it. It's entirely up to We could leave this wall as is. But when you're watching the game on Sunday, the house could fall down on your family. You tell me. You ever get a contractor to work at your house? They'll do the job, they start it, they get a bigger job. Now they pull their whole crew, they work the bigger job, bigger money. Now you're sitting there, nobody. I got no floor, no ceiling, nothing. They send one guy, after five days, one guy comes strolling in, relaxed, right? He comes strolling in. Hey, what? I said, where is everybody? Uh, I don't know, I'm here to sweep from side to side. No, Dan told me, a lot of dust, I got to sweep it. I got, I got no floor. I, what are you guys going to do here with the floor? Oh, with the floor, he told me. He told me they going to put the chingarera on the, on the side. The chingarera. I resonate with that guy so much. I tell you, just like what he was saying, like you go to somebody's house and you're like, hey, man, you want to come over? Look up this deck. Look at this deck that I just built. What? What? You built a deck? Dude, I'm still working up gumption to empty out my dishwasher. You built the freaking deck? Dude, like, you know, it, it, these people impress me that can just whoop, whoop, in a snap, just, you know, build something out of nowhere. It's like, wow. Wow. Now, here's something else. I, I ran across this. The third leading cause of death in America. You still want to get the, still want to get these COVID shots? I don't know. Let's take a listen. The third leading cause of death in America is? Why don't we Google that? You know what the third leading cause of death is in America? Anyone? What is it? McDonald's. <laughs> That's probably, yeah, probably fourth. Um, modern medicine. Modern medicine. Medical error is the third leading cause of death. Modern medicine kills more people than morbid obesity and diabetes combined. Only cardiovascular disease and cancer kills more people than modern medicine. That is a fact. Welcome to Google it. In 2016, the National Institute of Health commissioned Harvard to do a, a mortality study. And when they determined that modern medicine was the third leading cause of death, they pulled the study and gave it to Hopkins. And it got worse. Very interesting. Modern medicine is more as the leading cause of death ranking above obesity. What was it? Modern obesity and diabetes combined. It's no wonder people don't trust the medical profession. I was just listening to a commercial today because I listened to uh, I, I listened to a show called Burn Notice on my, uh, you know, over the Bluetooth. I, I set it on my phone, but then I put it in my bag because, again, you know, our company has a no phone policy, obviously. And I don't, you know, it's not safe to watch TV and driving down the road. But I like to listen to the show Burn Notice because it's like listening to a live story. And uh, it, it keeps me more engaged and keeps my mind going while I'm driving down the road as opposed to listening to music or podcast. Um, in, in burn notice, if you know anything about that show, it's about, you know, a burn spy. It's pretty, pretty interesting, actually kind of a, in a way, an educational show, because a lot of the stuff that, uh, they teach on that show are real life, you know, things that spies within the CIA or other, you know, intelligence community, um, implement. It's very interesting, but, but I say all that to say this, there is a commercial that typically plays, um, in between segments. Um, what was it? It was by Moderna. 
they have this new vaccine called Spikevax. Spikevax. Yeah. And now they're promoting that left, right, and sideways to get people to, you know, boost up. Now, here's another thought-provoking audio. I got two of them here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with these two audios, and then we're going to get into the reading. But these two clips really get you thinking. Uh, check this out. So like 2123, we will all be buried with our families and friends. Strangers will live in our homes that we worked so hard to build, and someone else will own everything we have today. Most of our possessions will be given away or thrown out and destroyed, including the car that we spent our fortune on and will probably be scrapped. Our descendants will hardly know who we are, nor will they remember us. How many of us know who our grandfather's father was? After we die, we will be remembered for a few more years, and then we're just a portrait from someone's wall. And a few decades later, our history photos and deeds disappear into histories of oblivion. We won't even be memories. If we pause one day to analyze these questions, perhaps we would understand how pointless it is for us to worry about 95% of the things that consume our minds daily. If we could only think about this shortly, our approaches, our thoughts would change and we would do things differently. Perhaps we would feel more free to enjoy ourselves and our lives that we're living. Take these thoughts into the rest of your day this week, this year. And remember this saying, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes being upset by Interesting. Isn't that very thought-provoking or what? When I heard that, I was like, wow. And whoever did that audio narration is absolutely right. A hundred years from now, the houses that we've worked so hard to build up and to establish, other people are going to be living in them. Whether if it's our own children that inherit it or strangers, but more than likely strangers. The cars that we are driving today, let's face it, are probably going to be scrap metal somewhere in some junkyard one day. And yet we have put ourselves into so much debt and spent fortunes on these vehicles, $80,000, $90,000 in some cases. I mean, if you get a brand new pickup truck, you're looking at anywhere between seventy, sixty-five, dollars and $75,000 and more, depending on the options and the, you know, the trim that you get, the package. You know, the things that we possess are going to be simply disintegrated and destroyed, handed down, given away, sold. And like they, like he said, at the end of that video, at some point, we're probably just going to be, you know, we'll be remembered for three, four, five, maybe 10 years, depending, you know, how profound of an impact you left, you know, uh, what kind of memories and, you know, what kind of profound impact you left on other people and your family or friends or, you know, in your circles. But eventually those people die. And so does the memory of you. Unless you're someone like, you know, a Donald Trump or a, you know, Jesus, where you're, you will be, you know, and Jesus being the top, by the way, Donald Trump, <laughs> number two. But unless you are somebody of, you know, public recognition, chances are pretty good. People like you and I, we're going to be forgotten. We're going to be a thing of the past. This podcast, this podcast will eventually be auto deleted. I'm sure when I am long gone. Nobody will know what his hard line will be. You know, I mean, e even think about the great, the great Rush Limbaugh. 
the first real radio talk show host that was in the conservative movement and has basically paved the way for other conservative talk radio hosts. I mean, he didn't die that long ago, but yet, you know, I guarantee you, and he was a very prominent known man. Nobody, I don't ever hear anybody bring him up anymore. Nobody talks about Rush Limbaugh. That's what I'm talking about. And he was a very well-known man around the world. Well, around the country for sure, maybe around the world, but around the country. Here's one last audio piece I want to play that really gets you thinking. Um, again, just ponder this for a minute. And this is kind of going on the aspect of learn to calm your own storm because we all have storms that we go through. Listen to this. That will change your perspective after hearing it. You might want to save this video so you can always come back later. One, learn to calm your own storm instead of venting to other people. It seems therapeutic to let it all out, but all you're doing is reinforcing your negative thoughts. Also, you can't expect your partner, your family, or a friend to always be in a headspace to receive your negative energy. It's no one's job but yours to pull yourself out of your negative thoughts. Journaling, meditation, exercise, there are many other ways to release negativity. Two, you will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you. True power is sitting back and observing things with logic. True power is restrained. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. Three, don't kill people with kindness because not everyone deserves your kindness. Kill people with silence because not everyone deserves your attention. Four, it is okay to be lost. It means that you've never been this version of yourself before. You must get lost to become found. Drop a 100 if you watched this far, and if this video helped in some way, this account is definitely for you. Wow, I'll tell you what, that's pretty profound. That is pretty profound. If you're lost, that means you are a new version of yourself that, you know, you never have been before. And it's okay to be lost because that means you will be, you know, you, you, you will find yourself. Um, but I thought that was absolutely profound. And, and again, again, really, really good information. And I think good advice. So anyways, so without further ado, let's get into the reading Matthew chapter six. And I am reading out of the 1599 Geneva Bible. And of course, um, <clears throat> Uh, let's see here. And then starting with verse one. So take heed that ye give not your alms before men to be seen of them, or else ye shall have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when you give thine alms, thou shall not make a trumpet to be blown before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to be praised of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But then thou doest thine alms. Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret and thy father that seeth in secret, he will reward thee openly. And that when thou prayest, be not as the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets because they would be seen as men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but then thou prayest enter thy into thy chambers. And when thy, when thou hast shut thy door, pray unto thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Also, when ye pray, use no vain repetitions as the heathen, for they think to be heard for their much babbling. Be ye not like them, therefore, for your fathers knoweth where 
of ye have need before ye ask of them. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, they will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye do not forgive, excuse me, for if you do forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye do not forgive men their trespasses, no more will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, look not sour as the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that they may seem unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But when thou fastest, fat, uh, fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou seem not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret will reward thee openly. Lay not up treasures for yourself upon the earth, where the moth and canker corrupt, and where thieves dig through and steal. But lay up treasures for yourself in heaven, where neither the moth nor canker corrupteth, and when the and where thieves neither dig through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also the light of the body is the eye if thine eye if then thine eye be single the whole body shall be light but if thine eye be wicked then all thy body shall be dark wherefore if the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness no man can serve two masters for either he shall hate one and love the other or else he shall lean to one and despise the other ye cannot serve god and riches therefore i say unto you be not careful for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink nor Yet for your body, what ye shall put on is not the life more than worth, excuse me, is not the life more worth than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the heaven, for they sow not, neither reap, nor carry into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking care, is able to add one cubit unto his stature? And why care for the raiment? raiment? Learn how the lilies of the field do grow. They are not wearied, neither spin. Yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in his all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not do much more unto you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things seek the Gentiles, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be ministered unto you. Care not then for the morrow, for the morrow shall care for itself. The day hath enough with his own grief. And that is the reading of chapter Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 34. All right. And uh, I appreciate you guys while you bear with me while I, you know, practice and get better with reading Old English because I do like reading out of the 1599 Geneva Bible because it is one of the original text, you know, translations of the Bible from the scrolls. So anyways, but this chapter, um, it emphasizes the importance of sincerity and humility um, in our actions. And whether if it's giving or praying, 
um, or even fasting it was discussing, the underlying message encourages us to focus on the the authenticity of our intentions rather than seeking public recognition or praise. Now, why is this so crucial? Why is this important? See, the reason being is it shifts our perspective from seeking external validation to nurturing internal authenticity. Now, when our actions, whether charitable, you know, charitable deeds, uh, prayers, or, you know, even personal reflections, it stems from a place of genuine care and sincerity rather than a desire for public acknowledgement, they become more meaningful and more impactful. Now, that chapter began with Jesus advising against performing acts of righteousness, like giving to the needy or praying simply for public recognition, because we don't need to be doing that. Give with a joyful heart, not because you want recognition. But instead, he encouraged, you know, sincerity in these actions, suggesting that they should be done discreetly, quietly, in secret, right? Genuinely for the benefit of others rather than for personal acclaim. Don't do things for the mere simple fact that you want accolades. You're better off not doing anything then, if that's the case. And Jesus also taught his followers the Lord's Prayer as a model for sincere and heartfelt communication with God. He emphasizes the importance of a private and authentic connection with God during prayer, advising against ostentatious or repetitive prayers meant to impress others. And, you know, it's interesting. The first thing that I think of is, you know, the constant Hail Mary that people say when they pray the rosary because it's repetitive, it's continuous, you know, and it's just, you know, I've always thought about that, you know, prayers or, or like when you do the, uh, w- there's another thing out there that people do during the Christmas. What's it called? Um, uh, oh, I can't remember now. Catholics do it. Um, the novena, the Christmas novena. Again, a lot of repetitive prayer. Now, additionally, Jesus discusses fasting, cautioning against making it obvious to gain admiration from people. Again, why do you care for admiration from other people, from man? So instead, he suggests that fasting should be done again in private, which is a private matter between oneself and God, emphasizing sincerity and humility in this practice. Now, authenticity in our intentions also aligns us with our true values fostering a deeper sense of fulfillment and purpose and it enables us to build more meaningful connections with others and a stronger more sincere relationship with a higher power being that father in heaven creator of all things right without the distractions of seeking external praise from man now by prioritizing sincerity over seeking public recognition What happens is we cultivate a sense of humility doing this. And this humility allows us to connect with others in a more genuine way, free from ego or the need for validation. And it also helps us stay true to our beliefs and values, guiding our actions and decisions from a place of inner truth rather than external expectations. I mean, ultimately, embracing authenticity in our intentions empowers us to live more fulfilling, compassionate, and purpose-driven lives. But you know, what it also does is it allows us to make more genuine, positive impact on the world around us, fostering deeper connections and contributing to a more sincere and caring society, you know, society. See, people know when you're doing things for true righteousness and sincerity from the heart versus a shallow, you know, 
action that is meant to be a righteous deed, but it's very shallow in how you're doing that deed. Like people, people can tell a difference. People aren't stupid. And in our daily lives, it's crucial to remember that our actions should stem from genuine care and compassion rather than a desire for validation and acknowledgement. Again, I cannot reemphasize this enough. Again, so why do we even need, you know, why do we even need to feel like we need validation from others in and in, in care what other people think of us? Why? See, whether if it's helping others, expressing sincere, you know, heartfelt gratitude, or even in moments of personal reflection, the essence lies in the sincerity of our intentions. And so overall, this passage that we read should remind us to practice humility, both in our relationships with others and with God at our side. But also, instead of displaying our deeds or prayers for public recognition, it's essential to cultivate a private and sincere connection, allowing our actions and prayers to come from the heart devoid of external motivations. Folks, you should be doing things for the right reasons and from a joyful, loving heart with true sincerity and pure intentions, not because you want notoriety and public recognition. You might as well just not do anything at all. I can't stand when people do that. They do something good and then they feel the need to brag about it. It's like, you you don't need to brag about it. God knows what you did. I don't need to know about it. What are you looking for? A pat on the back? Not going to get it from me. I mean, good job, but you know, you should be doing those things because God called you to do it, not because you're looking for approval of your peers. So anyways, so this is the part where we're going to take a quick little short break. I will be right back. I'm going to wet my throat down with a little bit of water, and then we will get right into the second half of the show, talking about the missing original 13th Amendment for the uh, from the Constitution, U.S. Constitution. So we will be right back. So the missing 13th Amendment to the Constitution for the United States of America. So there's a couple things I'm going to be reading from today. I found them both on national-assembly.net. You can go to the forums. It's www.national-assembly.net. And uh, if you go to old historical documents, there's a section uh, in the forums uh, if you scroll down a little bit, it's called, uh, I believe, I think that's what it is. In fact, let me just go to it right now. Hold on a second. So www.national-assembly.net. All right. Let's wait for it to upload here. Then we go to the forums and blog tab. Uh, click on National Assembly Forums. Okay. Let's go to that. And then if we scroll down to where are we at here, scroll down to you scroll down a little bit down to the page and there's a section, uh, there's a, there's a big section called general and off topic chat. And then there's a little subsection called, 
uh, old historical documents. You click on that, and one, two, three, four, five, the fifth link down. It's called 13th Amendment PDFs and the like. Okay, so this is where I'm finding that information in case you're wondering. Um, so the first thing that I want to kind of read first off is the amendment itself, the original 13th Amendment itself, which, again, was passed by Congress May 1st of 1810, and it was ratified December 9th. Actually, as of yesterday, it hit an anniversary, December 9th in 1812. And it is, this is what it actually says. If any citizen, again, that's a public servant. If any citizen of the United States shall accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility or honor, or shall without the consent of Congress accept and retain any present pension, office, or emolument of any kind from any emperor, king, prince, or foreign power, such person shall cease to be a citizen of the United States and shall be incapable of holding any office or of trust or profit under them or either of them. Now, I want you to listen to that for a second. Let me reread this again, and I'm going to emphasize the tail end of this. Now, remember, according to Black's Law Dictionary and the Law of Nations, a citizen is a it's a public servant, someone who works in government. That's a citizen. Someone like me who is not a president or a delegate or anything like that. I am not a citizen. Okay. Now, again, let me read this. If any citizen of the United States shall accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility or honor, or shall without consent of Congress accept or and retain any present pension, office, or emolument of any kind from any emperor, king, prince, or foreign power, such person shall cease to be a citizen, meaning you are no longer allowed to hold office. So such person shall cease to be a citizen of the United States. And that's united with a lowercase u, by the way, and shall be incapable of holding any office or, or of trust or profit under them or either of them. Now, again, this would include bar lawyers, British accreditation registry, right? Bar card holding lawyers, bar baristas or baristas or whatever they are, barristers. That's what I'm looking for, that word barristers. These people are agents under the crown, under a king. And much of Congress in the de facto government are indeed attorneys and bar card holding lawyers. They're not allowed to hold office constitutionally for the original 13th Amendment. They are not allowed. But yet they are there in the swampland. And there is considerable controversy that surrounds this amendment. Now, the official position of the federal government is that it was never ratified, but in the past few months, there is more than ample evidence that shows the amendment was properly ratified on December 9th, 1812, and if not then, certainly no later than March 10th, 1819. And there has been a lot of discussion over the years about the fact that this amendment was established to prohibit members of the Bar Association from participating in government offices, but yet they're there. What the heck? And if that were the sole purpose, for this amendment, honestly, it was wasted energy. And our founding fathers were much more straightforward than that. See, no senator or representative shall during the time for which he was elected 
Okay, now what I'm reading here is Article 1, Section 6, Paragraph 2 of the Constitution for the United States of America, not of the United States of America, but the Constitution for the United States of America, says no senator or representative shall, during the time for which he was elected, be appointed to any civil office under the authority of the United States, which shall have been created or the emoluments whereof shall have been increased during such time and no person holding any office under the United States shall be a member either of house during his continuance in office. Again, article one, section six, paragraph two from the constitution for the United States of America. See, this provision was established to maintain the clear dividing line that had been drawn between the three branches of government, which would be the legislative executive and judicial branches. Now, violation of this provision creates a direct conflict of interest because members of the bar would be officers of the court in the judiciary branch and members of the legislature in the legislative branch. Now, here's a little history behind all of this. Now, for over 50 years, 50 years, the 13th Amendment was included in publications of the Constitution for the United States of America. In many states, many territories, and even the federal government itself printed copies. This is what cracks me up. And this is why so many people, I don't, I don't understand why people want to deny this, but there are many states, territories, and the federal government itself printed copies of the Constitution containing this amendment. But yet everybody wants to squabble and, and debate and say, oh, that was never a thing. That was never a thing. Yes, it was, you dipstick. It was unlawfully removed by persons unknown for their own personal greed and aggrandizement. And even though it was properly ratified, it appears that it was never enforced. Thus, all laws, treaties, appointments of officers to government positions and in other acts and actions of the federal government, since 1812, are of questionable validity and may therefore be null and void. Again, fraud vitiates fraud. Because if this was fraudulently removed, unlawfully, yeah, everything beyond that should be null and void. And you can find, again, all this information on national-assembly.net in the forums and blogs page, but in particularly in the forums, click on the forums and you go down and you can find this old historical documents. You'll be able to find all this information that I'm, I'm, I'm gathering this from there. But you can examine for yourself there the images, like official images, of various documents that prove conclusively the validity of the 13th Amendment. It is very interesting to note that only the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th articles of amendment had numbers assigned to them at that time of ratification. And the reason behind the numbering was to ensure that the removal of the validity existing 13th Amendment was fully hidden by the proposed and wrongfully numbered new 13th Amendment. And to have just numbered the new proposed amendment as the 13th and not, you know, number any others would have called attention to the facts surrounding the situation. So whoever was behind the removal of the 13th, you know, the valid 13th amendment, that is, had to number the next few amendments so as to further hide their unlawful actions. Again, this amendment was 
for the specific purpose of banning participation in government operations by attorneys and bankers who claimed the title of nobility of Esquire. These people had joined the International Bar Association or the International Bankers Association and owed their allegiance to the King of England. Basically, banning titles of nobility began in the Articles of Confederation and continued in two places in the Constitution and finally was added as the amendment to the Constitution, an amendment that was needed as the other bans had no teeth in them to punish those persons who chose to ignore the constitutional law. Because again, the Constitution binds and shackles our public servants and government. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution for the United States was proposed to the legislatures of the several states by the 11th Congress second session on the 1st of May, 1810, and the dates of ratification were as follows. So Maryland ratified December 25th of 1810, Kentucky ratified January 31st, 1811, then you had Ohio, 31st of 1811, they ratified uh, Delaware ratified it February 2nd, 1811. Pennsylvania ratified it. New Jersey, Vermont, Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire ratified it. The ones that did not ratify was New York, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. And South Carolina tabled the motion without action. That was December 21st of 1814. And April 30th of 1812, Louisiana, or Louisiana as they call it, but becomes the 18th state in the Union but is not consulted on the pending constitutional amendment, although Louisiana recognized the validity of the 13th Amendment by publishing the Constitution in its law books in 1825 and again in 1855. And then June 12th, 1812, the War of 1812 began, where they they burned down D.C. because, again, they were trying to destroy all documentation that showed the original 13th Amendment. And then June 12th of 1812, Governor uh, Plumer of New Hampshire sends letters or sends a letter to New Hampshire legislature accompanied by letters from the chief executive officers of Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont indicating ratification of the 13th Amendment by their state. And Virginia thus is shown to have properly ratified the amendment, discounting the letter from Governor Plumer of New Hampshire, also requires that the Senate record from New Hampshire also be discarded. There is no basis under which any reasonable argument can be proposed whereby it can be shown that both the governor and the secretary for the Senate were both lying. And even then, you know, the New Hampshire information is wrong. Virginia printed a copy of the Constitution showing the original 13th Amendment in its law books in 1819. This date is the date if no earlier date can be confirmed. And then December 9th, 1812, New Hampshire ratifies the original 13th Amendment, the 13th of the 13 states required. Ratification was complete on December 9th, 1812. But yet you got a bunch of goobers out there that want to sit there and tell you, oh, that, that, that's all crap. That, that's all crap. That's, that, that wasn't a thing. Yes, it was. The hell is wrong with you? But you know who are the ones that make this argument? Lawyers. Esquires. Yeah. And there is something I want to start reading 
It's called the Millennium Report. It was uh, published October 24th, 2015. Again, it's called The Missing 13th Amendment. No lawyers allowed in public office. It's roughly about 43 pages long. And we're going to get into this further in the next few shows. I'm, I'm going to be reading through this. Um, I'm not going to start it today just because I think that would be kind of in poor form. So I think on the next show, we're going to start reading this. Um, but this was uh, was this published. Or this was written by... Uh, Again, it's called The Millennium Report. It was uh, published October 24, 2015, uh, written by David M. Dodge. Uh, he was a researcher uh, back in uh, August 1st of 1991. So we're going to get into that on, in a future show. So I'm going to minimize this because I don't really want to start it today. But, uh, yeah, you know, this, uh, this seems to be, again, one of those things, the ratification controversy for some reason in its modern day still seems to be ongoing you know the debate lies you know in the intricate web of ratification process and the dates that are purported you know as evidence from multiple states like i said including maryland kentucky virginia they it all appears to be you know to affirm its you know its acceptance but yet there is still conflicting perspectives that cast doubt on its legitimacy, citing inconsistencies in historical records and challenging the authenticity of the ratification process itself. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe because, again, America was trying to be subverted and infiltrated from within. They were trying the, the British royal crown and all these foreign adversaries were trying to take over America by infiltration. And so when you when you have that. You're going to have holes that are missing of true, authentic, legitimate history. And the potential impact of validating, again, this 13th Amendment stands as a monumental consideration in redefining the government's legitimacy. But this should be no secret to any of you, ladies and gentlemen. Again, because we know that since the Organic Act of 1871 took place, that is when America, basically by and large, from D.C. going to all of our municipalities across the country, became a corporate entity, became corporate entities. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, why we need to assemble, reassemble our states, because we the people need to get back in power and start doing the people's work. And we need to get rid of these corporate structures and get back to self-governing the way we should have always been without law lawyers and bar attorneys in these offices. Those are our damn seats, not theirs. So anyway, oh, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, you got to read. Reading means reading. Like Kirk always says, you got to read these things. But, you know, if you're not going to, I'm going to do my best to read it for you. And hopefully you come to this podcast and listen to it. So then this way you don't have to read it. You can drive to work in your car and listen to this on your way to work and on your way home from work. So anyway. So we'll get into more about this uh, missing original 13th Amendment. So I think this would be a good time to say a prayer. So, Heavenly Father, I ask that you guide us as a community, as a family, to act with sincerity and authenticity in all of our endeavors. I ask that may our intentions collectively be pure and selfless, devoid of seeking recognition or praise, but driven by a genuine desire to serve and aid those in need. Grant us humility in our collective prayers to come before you, not for display or, you know, 
accolades, but you know, in the quiet of our hearts, speaking openly and honestly to you, I ask that our prayers as a group reflect our trust, you know, our truest thoughts and our deepest needs, seeking your guidance and understanding. And as we fast or engage in practices of self-discipline together, let it be a, prov- a private offering between just you and us, you and I, right? You and us. An opportunity to deepen our collective connection with you, Father, and grow in spiritual strength as a community and teach us to lay aside worldly treasures and focus on building treasures of kindness, compassion, and goodwill as a united people. Guide us to seek your kingdom and righteousness above all else, knowing that all our collective needs will be provided for. And may our community find peace in trusting your provision and guidance, and may our shared life reflect the values and teachings that you graciously bestow upon us. And we pray all this in your sweet, powerful, holy Son's name, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. And with that, I bid you all adieu. I hope you all have a great day. Remember, as it states in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember, Matthew 7, 7 also says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. And I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, ladies and gentlemen. We are firm. We are steadfast. And we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We got to do this for God. We got to do this for our families. We got to do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net 
It's time to get active, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.